Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. intellect so that promises to be 
you know, really fun conversation, very informative, so we're asking you guys to join us. That information, we're going to be releasing it this week, and we'll have the event invite up this week as well. February 14th through 16th, Valentine's Day weekend, we will be holding our online virtual conference. So there will be a panel that Friday evening, several panels Saturday, and a few panels for you on Sunday. So, again, we're doing that virtual conference. This is for you. This is our way of giving something back to the community. And it's going to be a variety of topics um, from radical humanism to um, sexuality, uh, gay rights, um, just a number of different things. Um, we do do atheism um, and just a variety of panels. So, you know, that information will be released soon as well. So we want you to stay tuned and there will be an event invite for that as well. And there are a few of you out there that we've sent invitations to because we want you to be a part of the panel. Please check your email and respond. And, you know, we're looking forward to working with you guys. It should be a lot of fun that particular weekend. And moving on, April 25th and 26th, People of Color Beyond Faith will be um, has been invited to a conference at Morgan State University at Baltimore, Maryland, and it's Philosophical Atheism and Communities of Belief. And people of color, they're sending representatives there, so Dr. Sakibu Hutchinson will be there, Raina Rhodes will be there, and I will definitely be there as well. So, again, that's the weekend of April 25th and 26th in Baltimore, Maryland, at Morgan State University. So more information will be coming out about that. But we thank Dr. Joshua Stewart for the opportunity for people of color to be able to be a part of this very important panel. That Friday evening we will have a panel and NPR and a press will be there. On Saturday, Dr. Hutchinson will be doing a presentation. So again, for those of you that are out in the area that will be there, you know, bring your books. So afterwards, Dr. Hutchinson can autograph the books and we can take pictures. And we look forward to meeting you. We thank you guys for all of your support over the years. It's truly appreciated and we care about you. And this is why we're giving it back to you. We're giving back to the community. And October 11th and 12th in Los Angeles, California, specifically CFI Los Angeles, we will be holding our physical conference, and that will be taking place that weekend, and we're all going to, you know, assimilate and congregate together, and we're looking forward to meeting you guys. More information about that will be coming out soon, um, information about the hotels in the area, um, you know, different activities that you can engage in, but that should be a really fun-filled weekend. And Black Skeptics Group, you know, is looking forward to being, you know, the host, and they're looking forward, we're looking forward to seeing you and meeting you. Dr. Hutchison is really excited about, you know, um, all of this. So, you know, again, we invite you out. We appreciate you. This is for you. And there are other activities coming up throughout the year. We're finalizing some things, and once we get, you know, the go, the green light on it, we will share that information with you. But People of Color Beyond Faith, that's the name of the physical conference that's going to be held October 11th and 12th at CFI LA. So, you know, again, we look forward to it, and we appreciate you guys and just wanted to kind of give you an update on what was happening there. For those that may have missed the announcement last week, um, 
AAH conference that was supposed to take place February the 1st in D.C., that's been canceled. So, you know, again, I just wanted to let you guys know that has been canceled. You know, so if you have any questions, you can reach out to Debbie Goddard or Melody Hensley, and um, they should be able to answer your questions for you. So I just wanted to give you all one more update to let you know what's happening with that. So, all right. You know, it's been real interesting. You know, this has been a great year. So, guys, go out there when you can and check out the archives for the show. On January 12th, I'll have Dr. Anthony Tan on the show, and we will be talking about his new autobiography on how, you know, a nice young man went from being a Methodist to an atheist, and, you know, we'll discuss, you know, liberation theology and radical humanism and all of that. So it should prove to be a very, very good interview, and I am so excited, and I'm looking forward to that. So, again, that's Sunday, January the 12th, and on February the 2nd, the show will be Church Hurt Atheist. So that should be interesting. Um, it's not what you think it's going to be, but, you know, some things that I feel that we need to talk about in the community. So on Sunday, February the 2nd, Church Hurt Atheist, and on Sunday, February the 9th, we will have the director of Wilmington on Fire on the show. And remember, um, during my three-part series of Privileged Mutiny, on the second show, the second episode, I talked about the Wilmington insurrection, about how that was the only coup d'etat on U.S. soil ever. And it was a very well-to-do, predominantly black town, and how, you know, the whites overthrew that particular government and chased all the blacks out of the town. And it was so much bloodshed that they said that the river ran red. So we'll have the director on. He'll talk a little bit more about, you know, what happened. He'll go in depth. And so we're looking forward to having him on the show. His name is Christopher Everett. So Christopher Everett on February the 9th, that's Sunday, tune in. And, you know, again, we're just bringing the information to you guys. And it should prove to be a very exciting year next year. I'm really looking forward to it. And so, without further ado, I would like to introduce our guest today. We have Fanone Hutchinson on the, on the line with us today, and we are going to talk about his new show, Real Men of L.A. We're also going to talk about positive male role models, positive black male role models. And Fanone, you know, um, he was the brainchild of this particular show, and he's a husband and a father of three children, ranging from age 8 through 18 years of age. And he wanted to create a reality show based around men from the non-Hollywood side of Los Angeles who have everyday struggles that most working-class Americans can relate to, while showing the side of Los Angeles that most people, at least outside of California, don't ever get to see. And the subjects of the show will be, but not limited to, African-American males, but he also wants to discuss men of other races as well. And so the premise of the show is to shadow five men and their families as they go through their daily lives, chronicling the trials and tribulations of fatherhood and marriage while living in the busy metropolis of Los Angeles, California. So guys, you know, this is a positive, productive, constructive reality show. So we definitely want to show them some support and give them some love. And now, without further ado, I would like to introduce you all to Fanone Hutchinson. Welcome, Fanone. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Kim. It's a pleasure to be on your show. 
Oh, definitely. The pleasure is ours. And, you know, when I received the trailer um, about the show, I sat there and I watched it, and I was, you know, thoroughly impressed. You know, it's positive. It's showing, you know, a positive side of, you know, black male fatherhood as opposed to the stereotypes and the myths you know, that are out there, and, you know, what I found interesting was that a study was released not too long after that, you know, showing how, you know, black fathers who live with their children, 75% help with different tasks like bathing and diapering compared to 60% of white and 45% of Latino. So all this time it seems as though fathers have been, or black fathers have been getting a bad rap. Would you like to expound on that? Yeah, I think definitely, um, for a long time that the myth about black men when it comes to families and, you know, children is that, you know, we're deadbeat dads, we're not in the household, and we're leaving the women to raise kids, you know, as single mothers while we're out, you know, doing whatever, gallivanting and and neglecting our children. And that's simply not true. Um, You know, I myself have been within my children's lives, their, you know, their entire life. I had a, my first daughter when I was fairly young. She's 18 now, and I have two more children. And like you said, from um, my youngest is eight. I have a middle one that's 12, and my oldest is 18. And they don't know what it's like to not have their father in their life. And I'm not a unique situation. You know, I'm not an anomaly. I'm not, you know, well, an exception to the rule. I've had, you know, when I was younger and I had my daughter, I used to take my daughter to, to class with me when I was uh, going to school. And, you know, a lot of people used to say, wow, that's amazing, you know, that I'm, I would do my daughter's hair, you know, I would change her diapers when she was young. I did a lot of stuff because I was working at night and her mother was working during the day. So I had her primarily during the day. And I was, you know, picking her up from school, taking her to school, doing all And a lot of people would look at me and go, wow, that's that's amazing that you're doing that, you know, and like – I was an exception, but in reality, there are a lot of men that do that. I know personally a lot of my friends who've had kids, you know, who've gotten married, may not have been married, but they've always been in their children's lives. And that was one of the the main reasons why I wanted to do this show, because I wanted to show people that, it's, you know, we're not what you think we are. We're not, you know, people that neglect their kids and neglect their families and, the perception is that, you know, men of other other races, you know, white men or Latino men, that they're, you know, they're the ones that are in the home and black men are not, and that's simply not true. Excellent, excellent. And this is going to be an excellent way for you to show people to chronicle the lives of, you know, as you say, five men of five different families. And it's a positive show. It's a positive show. I mean, it, what is your opinion of the state of sensationalism in reality TV right now? Well, a lot of reality, I, I watch a few shows. I don't watch a whole lot of them because now it's, um, it's almost like uh, about 80% of TV now is reality TV. And I understand because it's a, it's a cheap way of, of uh, putting out programming. You don't have to really pay actors. You don't have to pay writers. A lot of it is still scripted, but um, the state of, of reality TV, I think there are a lot of shows, at least from what I observe, where you have a lot of uh, black women. Uh, I know there are other shows, you know, like Duck Dynasty and things like that, but you have a lot of the more popular shows involve women, and then um, a good number of them involve black women, and 
it's a lot of, uh, you know, where you have people fighting and, and cussing and just acting a fool, and it, and, it, and it shows them in a negative light. And, you know, whether it's uh, basketball wives or love and hip-hop, uh, Atlanta housewives or housewives of wherever, it always seems to center around a lot of women bickering with each other, throwing drinks in each other's face, and it's showing them in a negative light. And usually on those shows, if there are any men of, of color on there, they're kind of like in the background. And even when they are shown, they're not really shown in a positive light. Um, you know, one of the shows, like, Love and hip hop is centered around you know young black women in the hip hop industry, but they all on there acting a fool and you know and I know that a lot of people like that you know it's kind of like um, you know putting your brain on hold and it's kind of like an escapism because you can sit there and watch people acting a fool and go wow you know I'm glad that's not me but you'll still watch it you know it's like a train wreck you know people love to watch a right. train wreck but you feel guilty after <laughs> afterwards watching it but um, to answer your question that's to you know I think. You know, black men are kind of underrepresented in, uh, at least, you know, positive images of black men are underrepresented in reality TV. I think it's, it's a lot of uh, a lot of drama-oriented shows of revolving women. Exactly, exactly. And, you know, when your show, you know, and also, um, guys, they're still um, accepting funding for this show. So, you know, again, if you want to tell us a little bit about um, your fundraiser and, you know, um, how that's coming along and how we can help you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we actually had two, uh, we were doing two crowdfunding websites. One was Kickstarter, which is a well-known crowdfunding website, and another one uh, was was called You Caring. That's Y-O-U-C-A-R-I-N-G, youcaring.com. Now, actually, both of those are closed now. Um we unfortunately weren't able to raise our goal on Kickstarter, um, but we still are trying to raise funds in order to get to basically get the show off the air. I mean, to basically get it off the ground because we've gotten a lot of uh, positive feedback from different places. Um, uh, we actually had a network that was interested. You know, they wanted it further developed. They wanted a, another trailer shot um, with a little bit more, uh, you know, a little bit more pizzazz and you know a little bit more professionalism because the clip that we have is um you know we uh, my myself and my partner shot that you know within like a week i mean it was kind of like it was a rush job and we you know we did it all ourselves we shot it ourselves edited it um basically to get something out there to show people you know, because you can tell people what the concept of something is, but if you don't have anything to show, you know, a lot of people don't can't really see the vision. So we wanted to, you know, do, you know, just a clip just to give people an idea. So where we're going forward now is we um, are trying to solicit funds from different places to actually get a full episode up and running and get it edited, get it shot, and to be able to take it to you know more uh, network or uh, investors and, sh and show them and say, hey, you know, this is what we have, um, and we want to move forward with it because we want to get it out there. You know, this is something that needs to be shown. It's really important, I feel, and we are at the point now where we want to, you know, if we implore anyone that that 
you know, wants to see positive TV, wants to see positive male role uh, role models, black role models, you know, you can help us. We have a Facebook page, um, which is Real Men of L.A. on Facebook. And also uh, you can also contact me through email, realmenofla at yahoo.com. And um, if you want to pledge, if you want to uh, give any kind of support, you know, anything, it could be anything, um, we're looking for cameramen or editors, um, anything of that nature, um, you can contact us through the Facebook and the yahoo.com email. And we also will probably be starting another fundraising uh, on another uh, crowdfunding, and I will let that be known on the Facebook as well. Excellent, excellent, and I will look out for that. You can always email it to me, and I'll share it with everyone because we definitely want to support you with this because, you know, having positive black male role models, those images, it's important for us to have that, especially with, you know, what we're trying to bring forth, you know, with social justice and going out into the community. We want to be able to show people that this is real, that there are actually, you know, uh, men out here that, you know, take care of their children that are responsible, you know, and, and black women as well. And so, you know, it's just as important that we have this image out there, that we get this message out. And, right. you know, it's wonderful you're putting, yeah, you know, it's wonderful that you're putting this show out. And like I said, if there's anything that we can do to help you with that, please let us know because it's important that, you know, that information, you know, comes across well. And so it should be really interesting. So, I mean, you're speaking with different um, networks or, you know, for the possibility of them picking it up. Have you um, thought about or talked with the firm, Ava DuVernay's, um, company because they have a Los Angeles branch out there, but it's Black Indy, and that may no, I haven't. You. Yeah, so firm, I'll send that information to you as well because they had a rebellathon last weekend, and so for nine hours they had the different directors up there. So the director for Fruitvale Station, Love and Basketball, and they were just answering the questions. And so you know there are different alternatives that you can take as well because. Um, Awkward black girl. She got her start with YouTube. So she was filming her, you know, her web series and she put it on YouTube and they just got picked up for HBO. So I just wanted to let you know that there are different alternatives out there for you to look forward to as well. So don't get discouraged. That's that's basically what I'm saying. So yeah, definitely don't get discouraged. There are a lot of different avenues that you can take. Um, I'll furnish some information for you a little bit later, but, you know, what you're doing is extremely positive, and, you know, we are 100% behind you. You know, we definitely will support you in this endeavor because, again, you know, like you were telling the story about, you know, doing your daughter's hair and taking her to school with you, those are the formative years, and I already know that's daddy's baby right there. But so we know you're wicked with a brush and some rubber bands, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, most definitely. I could do some pigtails. <laughs> I had yeah, I had two because I had my first daughter and then my second daughter I did the same thing. So, yeah, I, I know how to wrangle some, some hair. <laughs> very good, very good. So 
you know, again, um, you know, we're looking forward to this. We're looking forward to, you know, moving forward and seeing your series, you know, whether, you know, you put together, you know, indie project or whether you get picked up on a network. You know, we just want to let you know that, you know, we're very happy that you're doing this and we want to encourage you to continue to move forward. And there are other ways out there in which you can, you know, have your you know, your show's shown, and you can do it independently if need be. So, you know, again, I want to tell you to stay on that road and continue to bring forth these positive images because they're needed. You have a lot of young men out here that, you know, are angry, that feel hopeless, you know, and feel despair. So having, you know, positive role models like yourself is really needed in the community. So if you were to let's say, have a conversation with one of those young men, and we do have some that listen to the show, what would you say to them? Well, I would definitely tell them, you know, not to let society, you know, place, you know, the perception on you and and let them dictate, you know, who you are. You know, you are who you are. You know what you are capable of. And there are people out there who who are in the same you know, same boat as you, and don't think that you're alone, and don't think that, you know, you're somebody that is not worthy because society tells you that you aren't, because, you know, I grew up in South Central L.A., I grew up in Inglewood, and I had a lot of people, you know, would tell me, well, because I'm a black male, that, you know, basically I'm a gangbanger, you know, I'm not going to grow up and I'm going to be in jail or I'll be dead by the time I'm 21. And, you know, you have to rise above that because they're, as as black men, you know, I mean, as black people, period, but, you know, especially as black men, you know, we have a lot of burdens on us. And, you know, you look at President Obama, you know, if he would have, I'm sure, believed when he was younger that he couldn't amount to anything, he would have never been strived to be the President of the United States. So that's my message to, to uh, young men out there that, you know, just, Keep keep striving and do not let you know society dictate who you are. Excellent, excellent. And speaking of President Obama and these young men, there was a story that was released um, this week about a young man, <clears throat> excuse me, who was you know speaking with his teacher, and he said he wanted to be president of the United States. And yeah, I the saw teacher that. Was yeah. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. How about that? <laughs> yeah, even even in this day and age, you still get that. Yeah, exactly. And so it's just, you know, there are so many hurdles, so many burdens that these young people have to overcome. And not only the young people, we have older people out here as well. And that's why, you know, it's good to have shows like this. And, you know, I would like to believe that this show will be a catalyst, you know, of other shows coming out being positive and productive and constructive, showing, you know, in a positive light what can be achieved in our communities and that we are not the stereotypes um, over on Twitter, black Twitter in particular. You know, they've been, you know, um, dismantling a lot of these stereotypes and, you know, blanket statements and just generalities that are going on about the different minorities and just trying to dismantle it, deconstruct the stereotypes and the myths. And a show like this will definitely help to deconstruct those stereotypes that are out there. So, you know, definitely we are wishing you the best and we are 100% behind you and, you know, just looking forward to the show. And, you know, hopefully you will be able to 
um, have it live, whether, um, well, not live, but have it, well, available, you know, soon, whether it's through a network or even if you, you know, do it yourself on YouTube and put the information up there, you know, again, let us know because we'll have you back and so that we can talk about your first episode and, you know, let people know, speak to you and the other, some of the um, other gentlemen that will be part of the show because it's really important to have these positive male role models out here and, you know, what you're doing is, you know, cutting edge because you don't see a lot of that out there. And the fact no, you don't. You know, and, you know, these are, you know, five men, and you're showing that, you know, your, you know, husbands or single fathers or what have you, whatever the situation may be for each individual, but showing that, you know, you're stand-up guys, and, you know, that's needed right now. And so, ladies out there, there are some good men out here. So stop (laughs) (laughs) There are a lot of good men out there. I think we have a question for you here. Okay. Here we go. One, one, one. I think this is Deborah. Nah, good evening. Good evening. This is Leonard Deadweiler from Los Angeles. I read the show description. I've been listening. I was uh, curious if uh, he'd be if he would consider casting. Myself and my partner, we are uh, we are uh, we are a gay couple uh, living in Los Angeles, uh, off of Western Boulevard in the West Adams area. Uh, we own a home here and we own a business here, and uh, I, I think my partner would be interested in something like that. And it also would show, you know, that you can be a strong black man. No, absolutely, and. and- and, and 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 still live, you know, uh, you know, an alternative lifestyle compared to most. Right. It's not as all. Right. Absolutely. And um, my partner uh, on the show, um, the, the who's a co-executive producer of the show, we had actually discussed um, in doing casting and actually tr- trying to find one of the, uh, one of the men who is uh, has as like like you said is gay. Um, and may have a partner, and you know, just to show, just to to show a diversity, um, you know, because not all black men are just you know heterosexual and live in, in you know just one type of uh, individual. So we had actually discussed that, and we will be doing a, a casting call because the the people that you see in the clip are not necessarily who will actually be in the show. This was actually myself and a couple of people that I know. And we we shot this um, basically chronicling ourselves, but we will. Um, and that was one of the things we wanted to raise money for us to do an actual casting call to actually find, go out and find um, black men or Latino men um, from different walks of life from L.A. And, and you're so, a native. You're a Los Angeles native. Yes, I am. I was born and raised in Inglewood. Okay, you went to Inglewood or to Morningside? I went to Inglewood. Well, good for you. <laughs> good, 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 good for you. No, yeah. I, I went to Ingle, I went to Inglewood High. Oh, okay. And the Crozier and the Crozier Junior High and, and Highland Elementary School. So yeah, I went to I, I, yeah I know all those I I had to actually catch the school bus from Highland to get to La Tierra and then I went to La Tierra I went to Warren Lane I went to Inglewood I went to Audubon I, went, I was all over. You got went, went around a lot. What year did you come out of Inglewood? I came. I actually went there a year and a half, and then I went to a different school. Uh, but I was in. I was at Inglewood in eighty, eighty nine. 
Okay, you're a little younger. Than, you're a little younger than me. <laughs> I got you. Very, very good. Interesting. You know, uh, uh, I guess uh, that would be Harold Miner, or Harold Miner yeah. came out around that time, right? Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, he grew up right around the corner from us, uh, on Plymouth Street, not too far from Rogers Park. Well, I wish you well. Go ahead and yeah. do it. And definitely, um, you can you can hit us up on uh, Real Men of LA at Yahoo dot com. You can send me an email and um, I'll give, give the me information to my partner. I'm not as interested in it as he is. Okay, and have him have right. him send his information, and then we can go from there because we definitely will be doing a casting call. Fair enough. Thank you. All right. Thanks a lot. Excellent. Excellent. That is wonderful. That's absolutely wonderful. And, again, give them that email address again for those that may be interested in writing Phenome and possibly, you know, going out for the casting call. Yes, it's realmenofla at yahoo.com, and also the Facebook page is Real Men of LA Reality Show. Excellent, excellent. So this is wonderful. You know this. You know information that's going out now, and you know, um, you know, people are hearing what the show is going to entail. And again, the diversity that's going to be wonderful to have an LGBTQ couple, you know, on the show as well as showing how, you know, they're raising their children and their everyday trials and struggles. You know, that is going to be absolutely phenomenal. Another reason to watch the show. So I'm really excited for you, Fanon. You know, so, you know, congratulations, because I already know that this is going to be, you know, a successful endeavor. And, you know, we're just looking forward to it. And, you know, maybe a spinoff or two, you know, maybe you'll have a real man of New York. Who knows? You know, it may yeah. turn into, yes. <laughs> yeah, we do. And, and that's funny. Yeah, we discussed that also with the real men in Houston, real men of New York. I mean, because there's all over, you know, there's, there's, it's not just in one area. There's a lot of a lot of men doing, a lot of these black men, men of color doing the same thing, and they don't get shown. And it, that definitely would be a good possibility to go to other cities and show, you know, show what's going on there. Excellent, excellent. And, you know, just really excited about all of this because, you know, people will have a chance to, you know, uh, interact with you guys. And so it's just wonderful because it's nice to be able to see positive images of ourselves on there. And, you know, I'm looking forward to the diversity. So, you know, the Latino, the Asian, the LGBTQ, this, this is going to be really good, and I'm excited about it for you. So, again, you know, um, I thank you for coming on the show. I thank you for sharing this with us. Um, anything else that you would like to share with us before you go? No, I just, um, just, just, I really wanted to know, I want people to know that, you know, that there are men out there, men of color, like you said, a lot of women that, that are single and say, you know, they can't find good men. There are good men out there. There are responsible, good black men out there. You just got to know where to look, and we're going to show it to you. Excellent, excellent. So we're really excited about this, and, you know, positive black male role models are definitely needed in our community, and there are a lot of them out there. They just do not get the media. They don't get the press, and that's something I've never understood. But, see, you know, you're taking the initiative 
and you're putting it out there, and I can only hope that this will encourage others to go out there as well and show, you know, the positive aspects, the positive, you know, parts of our community because there are more of us doing, you know, positive things, productive things than not. But right. unfortunately, you know, the sensationalism of the negativity is what sells. And, you know, for too long in the media, that has been what has been portrayed. And this is why when other people come to this country, and even people in this country, they believe what they see on television. All they see are the television negative stereotypes. I remember when I went to college, um, and some of the white students came from some of the little country areas, and they had never seen a black person, so they were sitting there staring at us and wanted to touch our skin and asking us to say stuff like dynamite. And I'm like, you know, I'm not getting paid. (laughs) (laughs) They really hadn't seen a black person. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I'm like, you know, nobody over here was like, JJ. (laughs) 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 But, um, you know, let me see here. We have a couple of people. I think Mario, well, here's Travis. Um, from Funny to the Moon, um, Travis is a comedian, and you see, Mario is one of the co-hosts of M and Evil Show. You know, another show on the Black Freethinkers Network. And Travis, did you have something to say to Fanone? No, I, I just I just tuned in, and then when I clicked in, y'all were laughing. I was like, uh-oh, what's going on here? And then y'all said JJ, and I'm like, uh-oh, what y'all talking about? And I heard nothing else but that. <laughs> No, um, Fanon Hutchinson, he's doing a reality show, Real Men of L.A., and it's showing, you know, black men and positive role models, you know, being the caretaker of their children, um, you know, having a positive relationship. Um, And the show is going to be extremely diverse, so they're going to have an LGBTQ couple as well, as well as, you know, Latino and Asian. So, you know, just showing positive male role models and something that's needed. And Kim, if I could add, I, I also want you know I, I want people to know that you know I was told that you can't really sell a show unless you got some kind of drama or you got some kind of conflict. And I, I understand that it's, te- it's television. That at some point, I don't want people to think that as well. It's all just roses, and you see men just taking care of the kids, and it's all you know. It, it is positive, but there you, there also show that some of the realities. You know, there are trials and tribulations, you know, disagreements, you know, with your spouse, money issues. So I don't want people to think that, oh, well, you know, I don't want to see a show where it's just people taking care of their kids and going to school and taking their kids to school and doing their daughter's hair. I don't want to see that, you know, because people do like to, you know, I understand, you know, people want to see drama. They want to see, you know, some kind of sizzle. So. I, that, there will be that element there because that's a natural element, it's, and it's not. It wouldn't be sensationalistic, but I know there are some of those things that go on in my my home. You know, there are heated arguments, there's disagreements, um, you know, there's conflict. So that will be in the show. So I just want people to be aware of that, and I don't want people to say, well, you know, I don't want to watch this because it looks like it's going to be boring. You know, so I just wanted to put that put that out there because I understand people want to see. You know, they they you know they they want to see a positive show, but, you know, they also want some kind of entertainment, some kind of drama. It just wouldn't be the type that you see on TV where it's sensationalistic and, and you know, exploitive. 
Okay, so we're not going to see you at Walmart on Black Friday wrestling for the last Tickle Me Elmo. Nah, you won't see that at all. <laughs> <laughs> so will we see, um, so are you saying that there will be some drama, but it won't be made-up drama? Is that what you're saying? It, it, yeah, it won't be scripted drama. It's, it's, <laughs> it'll, it'll definitely be something that the average person can say, you know what, that you know, that's something I may have experienced. You know, I, I may have experienced that with my spouse or my significant other or, you know, the child of, of uh, uh, the father of my child. Or, you know, these will be things that are, that are natural, not uh, – and one of the things I had in the clip, in the little clip that we did that you can see on, on our Facebook page, is that one of the things I wanted to make known in my narration that this is a realistic side of L.A., a lot of times it's when you see reality shows based in L.A., you see a lot of people at expensive restaurants throwing drinks in each other's face. You see people in the studio. You see, you know, you see a lot of things that are like, kind of like Hollywood. And it's like we don't all live that way in L.A., trust me, because I've lived in L.A. my entire life, and I've never had that kind of lifestyle where I've been in an expensive <laughs> restaurant in the middle of the day instead of being at work, you know, and just being able to sit around a table and talk about nothing or Going shopping in the middle of the day, you know, there's, most people in L.A. of color don't live that way. Very good, very good. So there you go, guys. It's going to be some excitement, you know, definitely some, you know, for those of us that have been married or have cohabitated with other people, yeah, we know about those trials and tribulations. Sometimes you get so angry that you just can't say anything at all, just those look like daggers. <laughs> you have to walk away and you'll argue about it later. But yeah, no, that is that's great. That's very good. It should be, you know, um enlightening and then, you know, the thing about these television shows is that when you watch them, you see a little part of yourself in all of the characters. So, you know, it should be very good. I'm I'm looking forward to it all. So again, for no thank you uh, go ahead. Go ahead, Travis. Did okay. My question to the what's the um, um, the director, producer, executive producer? What's the title? It's uh, Real Men of L.A. Okay, so in Real Men of L.A., um, do you have a section in there where for a father who or who um, you know could be a new single dad or um, a, a stuck? Where we see, I mean, is it a parent? Um, in um, teaching to those who might need some extra information. Well, I'm sorry. Wait, wait. Phrase the question again. You said it. Okay, I'll ask you like this. Um, if 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 a per, if I'm a single dad watching your show for the first time, am I going to learn some stuff? Oh, absolutely. Because um, what we want in doing the casting, we want to have men. Uh, I, I, not not necessarily men who have just had children although that you know it, that, that could be a part of it but we wanted men who have actually had a lot of experience like I said myself um, I had my daughter really young so by the time you know my third you know I had three children now so I've kind of gone through it so we wanted to actually have men that had actually kind of you know been around the block so to speak as far as if they have kids so if you are a new you know a new dad and you will learn a lot you will learn you will learn a lot from this show 
Excellent. Okay. Excellent. Right. That's about. That's that's what that's about. And you learn something from the show, and not only about you know child rearing, but also relationship. You know how to handle certain situations and how not to handle <laughs> situations. So right. there's something for everyone to learn from this, you know, um, reality show. And, again, I'm looking forward to all of that. And for known, I definitely will send you some information there that can help you. And, you know, we're, you know, we're rooting for you. So when you start Thank your you. fundraising again, you let me know. And, you know, we'll put the word out there and, you know, encourage people to, you know, help fund this project because we definitely need to see, you know, these types of images. We need to turn around these stereotypes and these myths that are out there because, again, you know, as you stated earlier, you're not the exception. You are actually the rule. And, you know, but when you look at television and you hear all of these stories, it's, you know, most people perceive that you are the exception and not the rule. So we need to turn all of this around. So, you know, we congratulate you on putting together this endeavor and also, you know, the diversity that you're going to have in this show as well. That's needed also so that we can break down those stereotypes as well. So, Fanon, thank you so much for joining us today. Our doors are always open to you, and, you know, you're welcome come back at any time, and we appreciate you and all that you're doing in the community. Thank you, Kim, and I appreciate you for having me on, and I appreciate all the support. Um, and once again, I want to give the, the email, realmenofla at yahoo.com and Real Men, on L, Real Men of LA Reality Show on Facebook. You can contact us through either one. You can go to the Facebook page to see the little clip that we shot just to get an idea of the show. And if you want to give any support, you can hit me up at the yahoo.com. And I thank you, Kim, for having me on your show. Anytime, Fanon, anytime. Our doors are always open to you all because, you know, we're going to have you back and we're going to talk about your show and we're going to have a good time. So I'm looking forward to that. And, you know, again, wishing you the very best and expect an email from me sometime this week, okay? Okay, Kim. Thank you. Excellent. You're welcome. All right. For those of you out there, Real Men of LA at yahoo.com. And you can also find them, Real Men of LA Reality Show on Facebook. So that information is out there. And the producer, the executive producer, or the co executive producer is Fanon Hutchinson. F A N O N Hutchinson. So Fanon Hutchinson. And the information for the clip that they shot, if you go to the bio, um, I have it hyperlinked in there, so you can go ahead and click and watch the YouTube clip there. And, you know, again, this is going to be very positive for our community, very positive for our community, showing, you know, positive male role models. And, again, you know, these, you know, gentlemen, they're touchable. They're everyday people. So they're not these celebrities. And, you know, as Fanon said, you know, they're not, you know, at an expensive, you know, restaurant, you know, eating creme brulee in the middle of the day. They're at work. They're working at nine to five like the rest of us. And so, you know, these are everyday people like you, like myself. And so that makes it, you know, even more, um, you know, appealing because you can see, you know, that you're not the only person that's dealing with these types of issues and struggles. So you're definitely going to learn something from this show, and, you know, it's going to be absolutely wonderful. I think we have Mario here. Are you there, Mario? Yeah. 
Yeah, I was, I was trying to uh, ask a question, but uh, I guess I just throw it on out there now anyway. Uh, how you doing? Good, Mario. How are you, honey? I'm all right. I'm all right. Just getting ready for uh, work. Or, uh, oh, I was going to ask a question. That you had. Uh, I was going to ask, um, what about someone like myself who is a, a young black male who has no kids, never been married, and has no intentions of either? Is, is there anything like that on the show? Well, you know what? When I um, sit down and send him an email this week, I will ask that, you know, or maybe they'll have a character on there, maybe, you know, um, a young man that has, you know, a girlfriend or a wife and they're expecting their first child. It hasn't been delivered. And so maybe it'll show them going through that transition as well. So you, that's a great question, Mario. I'll make sure I send that on to Fanon and, you know, there's even more ideas for his show. So that is fantastic, you know. So little Mario Jr. is running around. <laughs> so, yeah, that should be interesting. Mm-hmm. That should be really good. So sorry I didn't pull you in earlier. I pulled you in, but you didn't say anything earlier. But, um you know, um, again, this is something that's needed because, you know, for some young men out there, they had no role models. They had no guideposts, if you will. And, you know, for shows like this, again, you know, it shows them with their relationship with their children, their relationships with their spouse or significant others. And, you know, it shows you just, you know, some of the you know, issues that you may have experienced, that you're not alone, that it's not anything unique, that all couples go through that. So that is fantastic. And we have 111 back on the line. Is this Devorah? Yeah, this is me now. <laughs> okay. How y'all doing today? <laughs> Good, Devorah. Hey. How are you? Oh, I'm fine. I'm fine. Yeah. Everybody yeah, so, I mean, this is snow? fantastic. Hmm? Yeah. No, I'm just saying, this is going to be a fantastic show. That's why I said, you know, there are a lot of really good men out there. So, you know, when I hear, you know, people saying that there are no good men out there, there are no good black men out there, I've always not believed when I heard that because I've met, you know, many men, and, you know, the majority of them are good guys. So, you know, this is another, you know, avenue that this show is going to go down in which it shows that these are men that are dedicated, you know, to their families, to their children, to their communities. And, again, it's going to turn a corner on a lot of the sensationalism that we see out there because, you know, I just think a lot of the stuff that's out there, a lot of the reality shows that is, you know, detrimental and counterproductive. But it's good to see something positive like this coming to light, and I'm hoping that this will be the catalyst for other people to get out and produce shows that are positive. And, yeah, it's going to have, you know, there are moments in which you see some drama, but, you know, I don't think you're going to see people throwing drinks in each other's faces or, you know, fighting, you know, to that extent. So, you know, I'm looking forward to it all. You know, you know um, I think what's happening is that the reason for the reality shows in the first place was so not to pay the actors or the writers, okay? And mm-hmm. so that so that part's not going to come back, okay? They are going to keep going reality shows. But what they did, they didn't understand that, well, if you're going to have a reality show, then 
I could just record something with my camera and put it up on YouTube, and I might be able to get just as many people as as you can get on the TV, right? So, exactly. uh, right. So right now, Duck Dynasty is the number one reality show with 14 million people a week. I looked at some stats, and uh, you know what Cosby's um, numbers were the last season? 13.9 million. And, okay. Exactly. That's a, all right. And at the height, it was 30 million an episode. Okay. So. So um, right now we got to the point with 500 channels when they thinned us out from everybody only having three channels to where 14 million is a lot of people to get watch something at one time. And if you can get 14 million bigots, you can let your bigotry flag fly. Because <laughs> it don't matter. It don't matter no more. 14 million people buying whatever. They don't care. Right? Because um, you saw what happened with Cracker Barrel, right? Right, right. They relented, right. Quick, but it, that but that's regular, right? So uh, the Duck Dynasty dude said something about uh, black, uh, black folks being happier before civil rights, and said things, you know, um, about LG, about the LGBTQ community, comparing them to all kinds of, um, you know, subhuman species, and right, um, and so, and then people. Start calling up Cracker Barrel. Say, hey, man, you got this stuff here in Cracker Barrel, and that guy's anti-gay. What you going to do? Cracker Barrel oh, my goodness. And they took it out. But then the backlash from the bigots, right, or rather the, the bigots strike back, made them put the stuff back in Cracker Barrel. I didn't know how popular Duck Dynasty was, Kim. You know how popular they are? Someone told me, they told me they got their own section at Walmart. Yes, that's true, and I find it ironic that they compared LGBTQ to bestiality when they made their millions, because we have to remember these gentlemen are millionaires. They made their money creating duck calls, making ducks think that you wanted to get busy with them, to have sex with them. So, you know, I just find it ironic. You're comparing LGBTQ to bestiality when you make money off of bestiality, if you will. So Absolutely. You're a grown man in the woods, in the swamp with other, you're a grown man in the swamp with nothing but other men wrapping your lips orally around a piece of plastic all day. <laughs> and, 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 huh? Right. And tricking them <laughs> that you want to have sexual relations with them because that's what the duck calls are for. That's how they get the ducks to come to them. So when the ducks hear a certain type of, you know, um, call, then they come to them thinking that the other person wants to mate with them, and that's how they get the ducks. That's what that duck call is for. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's pretty gross to me. <laughs> but, again, you know, you have these different types of reality shows like that there, and that's why when I was speaking with Fanon, I was, you know, you know, encouraging him that there are, you know, several different ways in which he can market his television show, his, his show here. You know, he can do it like, you know, Awkward Black Girl. She started on YouTube, and then she was signed to a deal with HBO. You just never know how it will work out, so I'm going to send him some information because – Yeah, you have to do it that way these days. You know, I was talking to a exactly. bunch of agents and they were saying, basically, don't think that Hollywood's going to notice you and throw you a bunch of cash because they have a theory and they had it for the last 15, 20 years, which is when they see an idea, 
they either want to own it or they're going to clone it. Okay? Right. So, so this, it really is that simple. So his best bet is just start making it himself and doing right. what he has to do, you know, generating funds on an Indiegogo or a Kickstarter exactly. or whatever other format like that that there is. I don't know all of them, but those are only two I know. Um, oh, yeah, there and, are several uh, ones out there. But, you know, that's what we were encouraging him. And I had to give him some information about this indie, this black indie um, film production company. And they have a facility out there in Los Angeles. So, you know, we're encouraging Fanon to move forward. We want to see him successful, and we're trying to get, you know, help him get there with the very shortest route. And they did film it themselves. They edited themselves. And, you know, so he's going to be successful. It's going to be great. And so, you know, we're going to help him with that. And next time he has another fundraising, I definitely will mention it and post it and put it out there because, you know, I just think it's, necessary. You know, it's time for yeah. us to have these positive images. It's time. It's been time. Did you time. say he filmed so it I'm, or he's going to film it? No, he's already filmed one episode. And um, if you look at the bio here, you'll see where uh-huh. it says discuss his upcoming show. Just click the hyperlink and it'll pull up the YouTube clip. And so yeah. they're going to okay. do some more, but they're doing a casting call. You may have missed this earlier, but a gentleman called in, and um, they basically his his mate um, wanted to possibly be cast in this, and it was an LGBTQ couple. So, you know, two black men, you know, um, two black gay men, you know, raising their children. So, you know, add more diversity to the show. So, I mean, that's going to be phenomenal. It's going to be phenomenal. You know, I'm just looking forward to it. And I don't watch very many reality shows, but this is one that I know that I will catch. You know, Kim, um, I listened last night to a show. I think it was on, like, NPR or something, and like late night as I was falling asleep. And it was from 1961. The guy was a case where um, this dude's father and mother um, had divorced. And then his mother started sneaking around with a black guy, okay, this is like in the South, and um, ended up having a baby with the black guy. Everybody, clan, blah, 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 court case all of a sudden. And the court case, the judge gave the woman the decision to either give up the baby or lose her other child from the previous Oh, wow. Right. Yeah. Yeah, like that. And this is when the father of the previous child um, is is a known drunkard and, and and can't take care of him. None of his family wants him. Okay, so the judge gave her to her the decision to either give up her new black half black half white baby or lose her twelve or thirteen year old boy. Right, and right. the boy stood up in the courtroom and said, "I'll go." Wow. It was a story like that. Yeah. And it was just deep. And I was just thinking about the similarities between how now you could have a situation where somebody uh, in the South might try to um, affect that same um, horror on an LGBTQ couple who have a child. You know what I'm saying? It's it's very similar. It's a very similar thing. 
there have been stories, you know, the LGBTQ community, there was this lesbian couple, and they had a child together, you know, well, well, basically they had a child together. And one part of the couple, she decided that she was no longer lesbian. She got saved and sanctified, and she became hetero. And so it was a big court case, and they were going back and forth. And I believe the one that remained, you know, in the LGBTQ community, the one that was still a lesbian, I believe she was the one that physically gave birth to the baby. I don't really remember all of the story. It's been a while. But there have been court cases like that, and I believe the judge gave the baby to the hetero mom, and it was just controversy because then they ended up taking custody from the hetero mom and giving it to the lesbian mom. It's just, you know, that's why I say everything now needs to be put in writing. But now that, you know, we have marriage equality, you know, hopefully that will solve many of these cases and um, just kind of resolve some of these issues surrounding this. But, yeah, you know, anything is bound to happen. And then, you know, if you have positive shows like this and it shows this type of thing, now that's your drama right there. You, you know, That's so. the drama for you, yeah. <laughs> You know, I mean, honestly, you, you actually uh, you got me thinking over here, and I think a a couple different court cases, you know, they get real sticky between two um, two moms trying to decide who gets the baby. It that might actually break the uh, woman's hold on getting the baby because. You know, there are two dads. You got to decide which one gets the baby. You can't just give it to a mom. You got to figure out which right. one of the two dads is best. <laughs> so that might, that actually might help the heterosexual men in child support cases in the future by relinquishing or making uh, relinquishing uh, um, to all the same uh, rights you have to get married and to adopt children. Well, actually get you back some power in um, child support cases as a heterosexual male who who don't who doesn't necessarily have that in America. Right, right. And, you well, know, I'm pretty be. sure that exactly because, you know, um, even with, you know, this show here, you know, you just never know how it may go. You know, you may, may end up, you know, getting an episode where you're talking about father's rights or be a situation in which, you know, that has to be enacted. So, I mean, there are so many possibilities, you know, with Real Men of L.A. and, you know, the direction that the show will go in. So many different possibilities that can happen. Because, I mean, it's called life, and you never know what's going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I have to click know on the link and check that out. You know what bothers me a lot, too? is that how black men talk about uh, you can't be a real man without a father in the house. So that means that they're talking about their own self, okay? You say mm-hmm. that you're not a real man. But the thing is, is that with this reality series, Real Men of L.A., that's not the direction that he's coming from. When he's saying real men in this title, he's just showing real everyday people. So it's yeah. not indicative of, you know, there has to be a man in the house in order for, you know, it to be a real household or a real man. Yeah. No, he's just talking about real everyday men, you know, 
and not the Hollywood type, not the sensationalism. So when he says real men of L.A., I want to make sure I clear that up, though. But yeah, but I understand exactly what you're talking about, Deborah. And, you know, some of that you comes like real from people. hyper-masculinity. Yeah, exactly. They're right? real people. But, you mean real you know, people Deborah's, with, 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 yeah. with regular problems, you know, like, uh, exactly. okay, y'all. Exactly. Uh, exactly. Yeah, instead of um, the, um, the basically – TV is a lot is a lot of um, like folks yeah. with no regular problems. Right. Right. Exactly. Exactly. But where Deborah was coming from, she was talking about some of these men out here that are hyper masculine, and that's something I hope that they will deal with in this show as well. With you know the hyper masculinity. And different issues like that is so much that, you know, that they can deal with on this particular show that I'm just looking forward to because, you know, um, you know, male feminism, you know, because I'm pretty sure you probably have one or two male feminists in there. So, you know, it's just so much that can be dealt with. But, yeah, Deborah, when you're talking about that hyper-masculinity, I really hope that that's something that, you know, Fanon deals with in his show, that is shown and, you know, see how, you know, they deal or rectify that particular situation. But it's so much that can, you know, take place. Because, again, it's called real life. So you're going to have some men that are hyper, you know, masculine. You're going to have some men that are, you know, feminist because, you know, to me, it's, you know, I, for me, and I'm a woman, but if I were a man and I had daughters in particular, I would think that some of these men would understand feminism a little bit better because see, you're, you're raising little ladies there. You're raising little women. Exactly. So you will, you know, you will want them to understand, you know, that they are just as good as any man out there, that they have the same abilities as any man out there, that they should be paid, you know, the same as their male counterparts. And, you know, it's important for them to build that esteem up in their daughters. So I would believe, trust and believe that at least, you know, one or two of them have some, you know, uh, male feminist viewpoints. Which is very hard. I'm seeing it very, it's like, you know, we're the enemy right now, you know. And that's, that's just right. me. They should be, right. it's like it's we, we, mm-hmm. we, we have fought in almost everything they should be our back to. Well, well you know, they are, there are some, you know, men out there, men of color, you know, white yeah. men, what have that have defended black women because, yeah, we are getting a bad rap, and that's true, you know. And with some of these reality show television um, shows, basically some of the women out there, the images that are being portrayed are detrimental, counterproductive, and there are some people out there that believe these images, and, again, we have to turn it around, so that's why I applaud Fanon with his show because he's showing the flip side. He's showing the real side you know, because the majority, you know, what he's going to show is the rule and not the exception. What you're seeing on TV actually is the exception. But, unfortunately, you know, there are a lot of people that are buying into these stereotypes and they're trying to live that particular life. So, you know, we have to turn these images around. We have to get a hold of these of, of, of this particular subculture 
and you know show these people that no this this is not this is not necessarily reality. They call it reality TV, but it's not necessarily reality because as Spinone well, stated, you know, a lot of that is scripted. Go ahead. Look, you got to know it's scripted, okay? Um, I'll tell you when I figured it out. I think Survivor is like season something teen or 20 or something like that. <clears throat> and I did a joke back during Survivor 2. Because I was watching it, it was like the first episode, and so I always would check to see, well, you know, who's the black person on this show? And uh, the, the, the black guy they picked was a, a brother from Cleveland who was a basketball coach, coach, and his name was Clarence Black. And on the very first episode, when his tribe went to go find the water, he snuck back to camp and stole beans from the rest of the tribe. Then in the later episode, his tribe, like, they won some challenge, and, and, and they got three chickens. Everybody wanted to wait till the chickens lay eggs, but good old Clarence wanted to fry the chickens up, okay? And I'm thinking, you know, uh, that's on purpose. You remember? You, you understand? They purposely right. picked him. They picked, they picked him for his name. They picked him for how he was going to act, okay? And yes. so, and uh, remember before when um, you would see one black person on TV and everybody, somebody black's on TV, Right, and okay, right. that person was representing everybody. And then right. you got to the Cosby years, and there was black folks on TV all the time. And then after the Cosby show, they started sending it out. Okay? Right. And, right. and when you started sending it out, and the only black movie is a churchy black movie, or um, the only black character is the thug or somebody in a goofy hat, or you know what I'm saying? It's it's, it's really. It's, um, somebody said it one time. Somebody said, "Hey, everything's on purpose." <laughs> I was like, "Dang!" Oh, you know what I mean? Everything's on purpose. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. Just like um, conscious rap, somebody saying something um, helpful can't um, get couldn't get funded for the last 15 years, but any clown with extra gold tephesis and chains. Um, is all in your face, all in your face every day, all the time, right? Can't get enough of it. I mean, seriously, honestly, think about this. If I, if I, I think I'm a pretty good mimic. I can figure out how to do things. If I said here right now, all right, 2014, I'm going to choose to be a misogynistic something. Let's see if I get me a following just being a jerk. And see if they'll put oh, me you on. Have a big you know. following. You oh, yeah, have exactly. A big following. Yeah, I mean, you know. Or just, go, um, or just go black Mario. Republican. Just go black Republican. And start telling everybody yeah. the bad things about black. You know, you know, we we steal all the time. Yeah, y'all just lock us up. You know what I mean? And, and doing that kind of stuff, they would stick mm-hmm. me in everybody's face. Right. You know, Seriously. Right. And then at the end, and then at the end, when they lock most of the black folks up, the black Republicans are going to be the overseers. And I mean, it takes you back to the plantation politics <laughs> of old. But go ahead, Deborah. What were you about to say? I was just saying this morning, I ran across. Do anybody know anything about a, 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 a station called Vo Nation? No, ma'am. V-O. Man, I'm gonna tell you, you ought to see them black po- folks on there. They are totally Nation, huh? Uh, Vo Nation, Vo Nation, and they're on Facebook too. And 
I ran a, you know how I be, I just be re- going from one place to the other sometime, you know, looking for one thing and end up somewhere else. I don't know why, but that was crazy, and I didn't know what state it's in. I don't know where it's, where it's coming from, but these are black Republicans, and, and oh, it's a trick. Well, they're sticking them in your face, okay? So, like, uh, you'll see them on TV, and you're like, oh, wait a minute now. I'll give you an example of how they, how they do that. This is a true story. On the night of Obama's election in 08, okay, once the regular coverage went off, they put on a show, we're talking about on MSNBC, where there was one liberal and three black Republicans. I was like, well, well what is this? What is this? Because black Republicans, to have them on TV as much as they are, when you, can, when you really think about how many they really are, Mm-hmm. It would really blow your mind how much extra they're getting seen compared to um, to a white liberal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know what I mean, and then to, yeah, then they count those as black people. But wait a minute, those are black people saying that black people you got you know don't 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 need rights. You know what I mean? It's weird. Right. Those right. are the te- people who are teaming up against our rights, and we, we see them we more than the people champion our rights. Well, we exactly, exactly, and that's why I say, you know, shows like this, you know, will be groundbreaking, and it's important that we get these shows out here, we fund them and make sure that they get out there so that we can start turning some of that around because it's just, it's ridiculous. And unfortunately, with well, some of these young people, they believe it. And so basically they try to emulate what they're seeing, and that's well, just not yep. going to bode well. Go ahead, honey. Well, think about um, how long, how long were the black youth of our little world who might only have a BET to watch, how many of them for how many years were babysat by that computer-generated hoochie mama, whatever her name was, on, 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 on the, uh, like, basically they didn't pay any um, real host. They just had the computer-generated hoochie mama, like where kids are sitting there looking at her. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I know what you're talking about, yeah. I mean, that was on there for years. I mean, I stopped watching the channel long before that, but every once in a while, you know, you click through and you go, wait wait, wait a minute, this is on there every day. Some uh, computer-generated cartoon, you know, sticking her butt out, talking with uh, broken English, mumbling. You know what I mean? Like, that's what we're supposed to be letting our kids copy a cartoon that talks like that and shakes it around? Man, that's a ruthlessly mean stuff. Then you find out that the guy who owned um, BET sold it to Sumner Redstone, which is who was a right-wing conservative guy. So we don't know, you know, um, what type of concessions he had to make in order to even sell it. Right, exactly. And the thing is, is that, you know, um, a few days ago, there was an article um, talking about, you know, white feminists, they're having some type of songwriting retreat, and it's going to be on a plantation. And the black feminists were upset because of the location that the white feminists had chosen. And the white feminists were telling them, you know, that we need to take back ownership of history and, you know, come there and show that you're not afraid and all of that. And then, you know, all of a sudden this black woman pops up and in support 
of the white women, and somebody did a trace, basically, and this was all on Facebook, and someone mm-hmm. traced the IP address and was able to show that the alleged black woman was the white woman, so the white woman went out and found some random picture of a black woman and was on there in trying to use black dialect to, to make uh-huh. her point black women that supported going to a plantation, and then when she got busted, all of a sudden nobody else had anything to say. So that's why we have to be extremely careful, especially on social media and, you know, um, you know, there are people out there that would try to perpetrate fraud. There are people out there that would try to further their agenda. So we have to yes. be very There's some black very catfish careful. out there, Kim. Black catfish. Exactly. It'll be a page on Facebook. I have a... Hundred thousand people on it, and, you, and it's called Black something. And you're sitting there going, oh, "Wait a minute, well, what kind of black person is posting this?" <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. It'll just be, <laughs> and they don't know that, that you know they, they think they're getting away with something, but you, but 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 a lot of us, our um, our warning meter goes off, and we're going, oh, "Wait a minute now, somebody black didn't post this, or somebody black and confused post this." Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Right. Or somebody black. Uh, wishing they were other or somebody black with a with a thick um, dose of self hatred, you know, right. uh, posted it. You know, so you know, it's really interesting how you can see that. We had a um, yeah, that's very interesting how you can how you can tell that kind of stuff. Uh, I guess yeah. there needs to be a call out show like, like that where you're calling out people who uh, you know. I, mm, that's what I should push your title. I think I'll do it on Funny to the Moon. We'll do a show and call it You Ain't Helping. <laughs> we'll have a list of folks who are pretending, but, but really, you ain't helping. You ain't helping. Okay. <laughs> but it has to be like that. they got to be short titles, right? You know what I mean? You ever look at somebody and think, mm, what you doing there? It's kind of like uh, when I saw that uh, when, I, when, I, when I first saw the Kanye West, was going to um, start selling the Confederate flag. That was my thought. I thought, you ain't helping, right? But when um, Tana made the point, that's what calls some funny to the moon, when he made the point that, uh, um, that now the white people who want to buy the Confederate flag won't know if that flag came from Kanye or not, I was like, oh, wait a minute, he might be helping. <laughs> you see exactly. what I'm saying? Uh, exactly. And so, yeah, I posted a story. It's about um, Annie DeFranco, and I posted it in the room as well as on my wall because someone in the chat room saying, are these stories true or gossip, and asked for the source. So I gave them the source. I mean, there's no reason for me to make this stuff up. And that's why I challenge people. Anything that I say on this show, fact check me. And if I'm wrong, I'll admit that I'm wrong and move on. But I just read that story for the second or third time, and I just gave him the last one from the Fort Harriet um, website. So now this is actually a true story that there was a white woman, you know, posing as a black person, and she got straight busted. But, you know, but that's, again, going back to – you know, the show. There's a few of them doing that. I mean, there's a few people that. doing that, Kim. Kim, there's a few people doing that, and it brings me to, uh, it reminds me of a Mom's Mabley line that's in the mm-hmm. um, documentary, Whoopi Goldberg Presents Mom's Mabley. It's on HBO, and you're on demand or wherever. Really great documentary. Uh, and it, Whoopi talks to Cosby, Eddie Murphy, Harry Belafonte, Sidney Portier, Joan Rivers, 
uh, Arsenio about Mom's Mabley. But anyway, in there, one of the lines that Mom Mabley says uh, about about this is she says, uh, they still think we got to mind them. <laughs> I was like, whoa. Yeah. You see this? <laughs> yeah. They still think we got to mind them. Oh, yeah, but see, that's that white, but that's the white privilege. You know, that's the mm-hmm. white privilege, and that's the reason why when I was posting earlier this week about some hashtags on um, on um, Twitter, you know, um, it was black power, yellow peril, and one of the hashtags or one of the um, um, statuses that I put up there was, you know, um, from slavery and beyond or from emancipation to now that we are still working, for, you know, for their legitimate children. And and basically, you know, with that there, with saying that there, that, you know, yes, they still think that we have to mind them because in their minds they still own us, for some of them. Mm -hmm. Some of them really, they still own us because, you know, basically if you're a person of color and you work at one of these corporations and you're discriminated against and you file a complaint, well, the person that you complained about, the white person that you complained about, they're going to keep their job. They're just going to be transferred to another department, and they're going to find a way to fire you. You know, let you sneeze uh-huh. too loud and disturb the person in the cube next to you. Well, you're getting written up, and then, you know, then you, you get fired. So and because you're not supposed to complain. You're supposed to just take what's given to you and just deal with the situation. And that's why in some cases, even in the atheist community, when they talk about people of color, they call us whiners and complainers because we're not supposed to whine and complain or feel, you know, wronged in any way. We're just supposed to take it because black people don't have to. All you're supposed to do is say, uh, Kim, all you're supposed to do ever is go, I'm very happy to be here. Yeah. I just watched Coming to America. I'm sorry. I just, yeah. That's what we did. That's what we did for uh, for Wednesday last week. Mm-hmm. We watched Coming to yeah. America. Uh huh. Exactly. Uh, exactly. Yeah. I'm very happy to be here. And, and what? what exactly. but so, you know, you kind of expect white people to act like that. What my problem is when you find black people that are happy. That really, how can you be? You know, how can you not see? And, and I understand that young, some of these young people still thinking that oh, racism is seats, right? So, you know, I understand young people maybe not knowing that that is more than just seats, but old-ass old people? No. I don't have patience. You know, well, somebody... Well, there was a study. Go ahead, Travis. Somebody called up um, um, the show the other day and tried to hit us with the "I'm older than you, so you got to listen to me" one. Yeah, all that. And right. then, and then he started talking about well, then then, then he started then he started bringing up Genesis. We're like, stop, stop, stop! I'm already not believing that. You know, you got to right. try something different. You know, um, but I'm sorry. So go ahead. Um, but yeah, now but going back to you know what um Deborah was saying, um there was you know, I, I posted an article the other day in which um it was talking about some of the younger people and how many of them basically racism hasn't, you know, touched them yet. And when I posted the article I just said live a little. 
live a little bit longer, and many of them, you know, believe that we live in a post-racial society because they have yet to be confronted with the very real realism of structural racism. And I'm like, live a little bit. But then there are some people out there that even if they've been confronted with, you know, um, racism, they aren't necessarily, um, well, they don't know Kim, what's happening. They don't understand yeah. it. Okay, so one of my new uh, comedy bits I've been trying to work on is trying to how to explain racism to folks who say it's not there. And I think I've got a simple way to explain it. Um, white privilege is an invisible steroid that you get that you don't even know you're benefiting from, okay? And so to give an example, and a lot of it is what you don't have to worry about. Okay, you know how uh, how relaxed somebody can be when they don't have to worry about something. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Where you ain't worried about if you go if you if you got enough money in your pockets and you go to a store and there ain't nothing in the store that uh, that you can't buy. If you can afford everything in that store, you're not worried about anything, right? So right. Um, so think about the worry that a black mother has when her 13-year-old, too big for his age boy, walk, leaves out of the house. There's a whole lot of worry she has that uh, another mother wouldn't have. They would have some similar worries, but, they, but the, maybe the Caucasian mother wouldn't have the worry that the police are going to just uh, assume right. that their son is somebody else. And that's a huge chunk, right? And so I was trying to explain, right. then somebody was trying to explain what racism felt like. And I said, you know, racism, I, I, I can use pop culture and say racism feels like, it's, it's like kryptonite, okay? And what I mean is this. You could be at a party, everything is fine, you're having a good time. And then somebody pulls some, some racism kryptonite out of their pocket, <laughs> right? And it, it's like, right, oh, right. man, I didn't know that was even around. You know, you get ricking your knees, right? You know, <laughs> it, it just ruins your time. It's, it, it's, it's, does that make sense? So, so, so I'm starting out there, and I thought the invisible steroid part was, a, for instance, if you are a Caucasian male in New York, you don't have to worry about getting stopped and frisked, right? Exactly. But a brown person has to worry about getting stopped and frisked a couple of times, you know, possibly. You know what and, I mean? You know, like, that's uh, interesting thing. I'm just, you know, I'm going to mm-hmm. tie it back into the reality show. You know, we may see situations in which some of these, you know, gentlemen end up, you know, being pulled over. You know, they may have, you know, a stop and frisk type of situation because, I mean, Los Angeles is known for pulling people over, and now they have some, um, besides, you know, doing the when they have the stop checks, you know, when they you know, do the stop checks for, like, holidays or just the random stop checks, now they have this new device besides doing the field sobriety test. They have this device in which they swab your mouth and to test to see if you have marijuana in your system. Now, it's supposedly voluntary, but, again, you know, they have that. So, I mean, there's, a, you know, a lot of what we're talking about, you know, could possibly be incorporated in a show because, again, that's life. You never know if it's going to be a stop check. And if the camera is think about the nastiness. Think about the uh-huh. nastiness, Kim. Of, uh, think about the nastiness and the ruthlessness of some people with the tide turning on medical marijuana to even start off with some new swab you to see if you've been, if you've been doing marijuana. You know what I mean? It, 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 um, uh, marijuana um, does so, has so many benefits 
um, health-wise, um, yeah. from everything from relaxation to pain relief, and and countless of other uh, other uh, other things. Um, I, I talk about it in a, in a comedy bit that you take a hit and it and it takes your disease, it gets rid of the dis, and it puts you at ease for many folks. And so to have right. somebody trying to figure out how to put people away or how to get money from putting away medical marijuana users or even medical um, recreational users in jail, it just shows a nastiness in our world that, um, it, you know. Right, but I mean, but just, go ahead, Deborah. Go ahead. Regular. Honey. I was just saying what's really freak now. Virginia was the, one of the first back in 1979 to, le- to legalize medical marijuana. We can't get it. And I don't see no. I tried. You know how you call lawyers up and stuff? You can't mm-hmm. get nobody. I even called out of state because I want to sue them. I mean, what? come on now. Huh? You know, because well, it don't make any well. sense. How can you? They are, I just don't understand that. And see, nobody's looking at that. Okay. Why should you have to move in order to get some medicine? Yeah. Right. I mean, that would be one argument. I mean, that's free. And, uh, then, and then but, chemical prescription drugs are killing people every day. You know what? Marijuana You're right. There's a woman. Um, there's a woman who had fibromyalgia, and she was talking about all different ailments. And I said to her, I said, "Well, have you ever looked on the web to see if you can take some medical marijuana for that?" And she did, if anybody else was doing it. She looked up, and there was a lady right away that said, I started doing the medical marijuana, and I was able to stop taking seven of these pills they had me on. Right. Do you know how many side effects there are in, in, in seven pharmaceutical pills? Tell me about it. Right. Tell exactly. And, you know, it's just it's interesting, you know, the biases, you know, that come from, you know, that type of situation, but, um, you know, tying it all back, you know, to what Travis just said. Again, you know, as far as incarceration is concerned, you know, we have the prison industrial complex, and, yes, they make money. They make money from putting these people in jail. You know, for us to be one of the most, you know, um, you know, um, a superpower, if you will, you know, we have more people per capita in jail than, you know, um, other countries, especially countries that, you know, are atheist-based. And it's mm-hmm. just interesting, but it's about making money, capitalism. Yeah. It's about making money. So and most of these For jails sure. are becoming privatized. So, you know, then if you go and you read some of the contracts that, you know, these private jails have with the state, basically if the state does not provide enough prisoners, if there are not enough people in there, the state still has to pay as though the jail is filled to a certain capacity. So Right, and these private prisons will uh, try to put in extra rules. Their private prisons were part of that three strikes and you're out because that's three strikes and we get paid. So anybody that they know, they they got, yeah, they know that that's steady Eddie money for them. That's steady money for them Mm -hmm. if they got somebody in 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 a a jail. Exactly, and even California, they're trying to repeal that three structure out because you know it's unfair. Yeah, it's, you know, it's inhumane. I mean, just like the um, stand-your-ground laws. You know, it's stand-your-ground when it's, you know, white folks. But when a black person tries to use stand-your-ground, it doesn't apply. 
So right, 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 right. When it's black, right. When it's white, it's standing your ground. And when it's black, it's nigga. You should have known better. <laughs> I'm right, sorry. You know? That's what it is. <laughs> That's really what it is. You should you should have known better than to think mm-hmm. it was going. This was going to work out for you. You know, we talked about that. Like, like we're trying to. I'm still I'm still trying to always try to explain like white privilege. I realize that talking about white privilege is even harder than talking about religion or politics, right? White privilege and class privilege, okay? And um, I, I was thinking, have any of you ever heard of a case where either two black cops or a black and a Mexican cop or a black and an Asian cop or an Asian and a, and a, and a, and a Latino cop uh, randomly shot somebody white and killed them? Not really. You know, I've never really paid attention because um, that type of impact, I doubt it. I doubt if there are very many. Now, I, I believe that there are probably one or two, but not very many. Um, there was a case here in Chicago in which a black cop got into an altercation with a white cop. The white cop shot the black dude several times. The black dude was in a hospital. The white cop got off, and this disabled black cop is being charged with a crime. And from my understanding, the white cop was the antagonist. So, I mean, um, there was a case in which, I believe this was in New Jersey, Um, a young black man was out there, and yes, he had possession of illegal drugs with the intent to, you know, sell them or distribute them or what have you. And a white cop came up to him and stopped him or what have you. And basically... You know, I think they got into some type of altercation, and the because I believe the the young man was trying to get away, and the white cop shot him in the face and blinded him. But the young man just got sent to jail for life because basically, and I'm not sure if it was life, but he was sent to jail and basically being charged with assaulting the police officer. And, I mean, it's just something about the case that's just really weird. I have to look it back up because I may not be giving all the details or not giving it correctly, but um, his mother passed out. <laughs> yeah, Kim, Kim that was a rough one, Kim. That was a rough one. Yeah. And, and, and the child got shot in the face. You know, just... <laughs> <laughs> and he went blind. And then, and now he's going to jail and, for why? You know? Yes. Yes, they shot his eye out of his head, but they refused to let him put it back because he was black. Yeah. You, know, you know what I'm saying? It's just... <laughs> you know? I mean... Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, man, but, you know, but, I mean, we're laughing about it. But this is the type of stuff that happens in our communities all the time. You know, sometimes you have to laugh to keep from crying, you know, because there's so many, you know, you know, horrible things that are happening. And then for a long time, people didn't believe us when we would talk about these particular issues and these situations. But, again, you know, with video cameras and then the advent of the Internet, we're able to share these stories and get the information out, you know, more readily and quickly. And so now people are starting to see. But it, it still doesn't matter when you start talking about structural racism because it's becoming even more and more evident. 
which is why I keep saying we need to put our little marching boots on and get out here and start voting these people out of office, you know, at least showing them that we have the power, you know, and take back our agency because, you know, what's happening is ridiculous. And that goes back to, you know, sometimes when I get to talking about public policy, you know, all of this is interwoven, and that's what I want people to understand. But, you know, the scenarios that we're talking about, you know, this happens all over the place, and so even with this reality show television, you know, you know, we're bound. And, again, these are everyday people, and the cameras are going to be following them from point A to point B at times. There's no telling what we may come across. So, you know, um, it, it has the potential of, you know, exposing, you know, maybe some structural racism, discrimination, what have you. Again, it's real life, and you just never know what may happen. So there's so much that can be done with a television show such as this that, you know, I just believe that it's going to help, like I say, you know, bring about change in a positive way. You know what I don't understand? Now, I don't know. I'm going to tell you, I don't know how uh, Jesse Jackson's uh, son was operating as a uh, as a senator or whatever he was, right? But mm-hmm. my thing is, see, people like that ought to know they can't do what white people do, okay? <laughs> Just like even, even Kane, like Kane, right? You remember that guy named Kane, that black guy named Kane? Right. And then you got this, what was that fat white guy? I can't think of his name, but he's on on a news station now too. But he 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 done went through three women, uh divorced three or whatever, and he had a but they still got him as a senator. They let Kane go. Now you see you got people who is done to and they still don't get it. You understand? Well I mean like well, again, because we'll we got a like so we got a governor we got a governor mm-hmm. down here, right, uh, McDonald. Mm-hmm. He was using uh, this guy's money. Uh, this guy was giving him plenty of money, right? He's still in office. Ain't nobody talking about, you know, he going nowhere. You understand? Just like that guy yeah. up there uh, in Canada, that uh, uh, guy was the Oh, uh, yeah, they're poor. Yeah, poor, right. if those Ford. guys were black, they would have been under the jail. That. Well, okay, so so let's, let's, let's tackle one thing. Let's tackle one thing at a time. So with Mayor Ford up in Canada again, that's Canada. But you know the same thing happened with Marion Barry in D.C. You know as far as yeah. the lead, you know, you know drug use and all of that. And we saw what happened with Marion Barry. You know he ended up losing his seat and he was incarcerated, oh. and then he was reelected. So, you know, you have that there. Now, going back to what you said about Jesse Jackson, Jr., and, you know, you said, you know, black people should understand that, you know, they can't necessarily get away with the same things that white people do. You got to remember, Jesse ah, Jesse Jackson, Jr. was raised with privilege. He was raised with wealth, and he was raised with privilege. So it's a different type of mindset, and there are things that he can get away with that your average person wouldn't even dare try to get away with. And, again, with the name recognition and all of that, you know, there are some people that feel as though with that particular privilege that there are things that they can get away with. And there's a lot more to that story with Jesse Jackson, Jr. that just hasn't been brought out 
you know, to the public. Well, I mean, the information is out there if you go and look for it. I'll put it that way. But, um, again, you know, I, you know, we'll talk offline because there's a whole bunch of stuff I can tell you. But, yeah, but it's, just, it's about privilege. It's about, it's about privilege, you know, so you have that wealth privilege. And, again, you know, black male privilege. You know, a lot of people don't believe that there is such a thing. Yes, there is. Yes, you know, and and so, um, you know, you just have to kind of look at it from a different perspective there. But he's learning now that there are certain things that you can't do. And um, basically, I'll just put it like this. There are some times when you, you just have to take one for the team. And in his case, hmm. that's part huh? of it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. So <laughs> that's how that goes. But, yeah, so, I mean, uh-huh. it's just it's, – interesting how all of this, you know, is coming about, but with this particular reality show, Real Men of L.A., I think it's going to open a lot of people's eyes. Um, It's going to encourage some people, and, you know, like Mario was saying, you know, young men out there that may not have children or even some young men that may be expecting children at the time. You just never know, you know, um, how this format is going to come about in this particular situation. So when they do the casting call, you know, they may have a young man whose wife or girlfriend or, you know, they may be expecting their first child. She may only be three, four months pregnant. So you get to watch that scenario play out. So you just never know. But, again, this is real life. It's not scripted. And, you know, you just never know because I'm just excited for Fanona. You know, I'm really excited about this project. And, you know, hopefully, like I said, it'll produce some other positive projects out there which shows people in a positive, productive light. And, yeah, you go through your trials and your situations in real life in which, you know, shit happens. And it does, and you know, unexpected, and you just have to learn how to deal with it and overcome it if if that's the situation. But yeah, it's it's been interesting. Um, a lot of the news stories that have come out, you know, as of late. But yeah, you know, um, Deborah, you're correct. You know, there are things that we can't do that you know privileged folks can, and that's just the way it goes. You can't buy a $30,000 purse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they wouldn't even let Oprah have a $30,000 purse. But they wouldn't even let y'all in, 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 the, in the store. Probably they wouldn't let me in the store. Up and down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, That's see, right you know, me, I'm pretty frugal. I would not be having a $30,000 purse. You know, as a matter of fact, so I'll go give me one of those backpacks, and I'm pretty happy because I can put everything in that damn thing and go on about my business. About yeah, mm-hmm. and so, um, you know, again, you know, this is life. This is real life, and this is how it touches your everyday average person. And, you know, hopefully with stories and, you know, shows like this, we will learn to appreciate one another a little bit better. We'll understand that we're not alone, that certain situations that we've been through or may happen to be going through at the time that, you know, is just not something that you're going through and no one else understands and haven't been through it, you'll be able to see a little bit of yourself probably in all of these characters in some respect or another. You know, whether you see yourself in that same situation or something that you've played out or something that may come up later on down the line, and you're like, oh, yeah, that happened on that show. So 
you know, again, you know, it's something to learn, for, you know, for everyone. And so I just think, you know, that this is going to be excellent, and I want to make sure that we continue to encourage him and motivate him to get out here and to show our story. You know, I'm so tired of everyone else telling our story. We need to be able to tell our own story. That's right. That's right. Yep. So there we go. So on that note, we're getting ready to shut it down. Guys, Happy New Year. I am just glad that we were able to end this year on a positive note. There are a lot of good things happening next year. And, you know, again, you know, I thank you guys for your support, for your motivation, you know, for educating me because I'm definitely educated and enlightened by everyone that I come into contact with. You know, I learn something. I try to learn something from everyone that I deal with, you know, good, bad, and different, what have you. But, you know, I appreciate you, and I appreciate all that you all have done for the Black Freethinkers family. Um, you know, I would like to give a special thank you to Raina on the RSS feed. I would like to give a special thank you to Mario and M for the M and Evil show. I would like to give a special thank you to Alfred and Carl for the Alfred and Carl show. A special thank you to Vita for the Vita on Blast show. You know, a special thank you to MC Brooks for, you know, um, the breakbeat. As a matter of fact, next year he will have a partner. So starting in January, it will be MC Brooks and Teeny, you know, for the breakbeat, and that should be a wonderful show. And, um, Teeny, she has loudishness blog, and so, you know, we've posted about that a few times, so, you know, we're going through some transitions, you know, within, you know, the Black Freethinkers Radio Network, but, you know, we love you guys, and we appreciate you, we appreciate everyone who listens live, you know, the people that participate in the chat room, those that listen to the archive, you know, you know, I just... You know, there are not enough words to let you know how how much gratitude I have for you allowing us to be a part of your life. And, you know, that's just thank you. And I thank Travis from Funny to the Moon, who's, you know, a regular participant. May as well call him one of my co-hosts. You know, and um, Deborah, who calls regularly, you know, another co-host here. And, you know, honey, you know, I appreciate you guys. I really do. And I thank you for, you know, being a part of the family and allowing me into your lives because you don't have to, but you do. And I appreciate it. And, you know, more and more exciting things are coming up next year. And, you know, again, this is for you guys. This is for you. You know, we're trying to enlighten you. We're trying to educate you. But while we're doing that, we're being enlightened ourselves. We're being educated as well. There's a lot of research that goes into the majority of these shows. So, you know, we're learning, and, you know, we're sharing it with you because I don't believe the information that we're sharing with you should be kept secret. And a lot of this information has been, you know, tied up in academia and, you know, other, you know, um, venues. But once we find it and we get the information, you know, we share it with you. I don't feel that this information should be hoarded or kept secret. That's why you see me posting, you know, link after link after link on my wall, 
because I want you to learn something from it. You know, as a matter of fact, a lot of what I post is public because I understand that there are some people who can't be Facebook friends or follow me on Twitter or Tumblr. So I make it public so that you can, you know, have access to the resources as well because I understand your situation. And that's another reason why we're doing the webcast. We're going to do the online conference in February because we understand, you know, there are some people who can't attend the physical conference for whatever reason. There are some people who are not out as non-believers, and there are some people that are wavering, that are just towing the line and trying to get a better understanding. I just hope that we're educating you. I hope that you understand and you know that you're definitely not alone out here. You know, we care about you. That's why we do what we do. We are not getting paid for this. There is no money in atheism. There is no money in secularism. There is to be made over here. So that's not what's happening. We're doing this because we want you to know. We want to answer your questions. And if we can't, we're honest enough to say that we don't know and we'll research it or we'll refer you to someone who does. So there are a lot of beautiful people in this community. You know, for those of you out there, I would advise that you pick up Godless Americana or Moral Combat. That's by Dr. Sakivu Hutchinson. Um, Dr. Anthony Penn has a whole line of books. So just go on Amazon. You have plenty to choose from, and it's P-I-N-N. He'll be on the show January the 12th. You have Donald Wright, and his book is The Only Prayer I'll Ever Pray is Let My People Go. And he talks about his humble Baptist beginnings and, you know, his time in the church, you know, as the deacon and, and his growth and his evolution into humanism and free thought. And, you know, you have Norm Allen out there. You have, you know, it's just a lot of us, you know, you know, unfortunately, a lot of the writers of color aren't featured, you know, in the same respect as some of the white authors, but that's the purpose of this show. You know, we feature the, you know, the writers and the authors of color, and we talk about their books, and because we want you to know that there are people like you out there, that are people that care about you, that are writing for you, that are trying to help you gain a better understanding. So we love you. We love you very much. We do, because if we didn't, we wouldn't be operating in this labor of love to bring you a show, you know, every weekend. You know, I take time off because I'm human. I get tired, too. And, you know, I've shared this with the audience before, but I'll go ahead and share it again. For those that aren't aware, you know, um, last year I was diagnosed with lupus. And so my whole life has changed. You know, um, I've had to make some major adjustments to my life. And so, you know, it makes it a little bit harder in some respects. But, you know, again, you know, doing this, again, as a labor of love is cathartic. And, you know, you know, I care about you guys. And, you know, I've received a lot of nice notes and emails from different people you know, encouraging me to go on and to continue. And, you know, next year we're going to possibly have someone from the Lupus Foundation come on the show and talk about it because, um, you know, it affects more women than men and it affects more women of color than Caucasian women. So, you know, for that and some other issues, we're going to have some specialists coming on next year and we're going to have um, one of the panels 
for the Valentine's Day online virtual conference. We're going to talk about mental health and depression in a black community. So just to let you know, it's a bunch of good stuff coming up next year. And so for those of you that wish me well, I wish you well back. I love you. Even the ones that don't, you know, I love you too. I wish you the very best. And on that note, Happy New Year. And it was a privilege and an honor to be live. All right, y'all. Good night and talk to you next year. Take care, everybody. All right, you too. Have a good one, y'all. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.